What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. It is the Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today while Bill is out. What a day to be behind the microphone after the Republicans uh, made their attempt to repeal Obamacare yesterday in the House. I got a lot of thoughts as to why that is not going to be as successful as they'd like you to think. You're going to see a lot of stories today about the Republicans have repealed and replaced Obamacare. That is not what happened. What happened yesterday was a disgrace. It's not good. But Obamacare did not get repealed. Obamacare is not getting replaced. Yet. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about, y'all, uh, on a Friday, May 5th. Cinco de Mayo? It's Cinco de Mayo today? You know, I love that uh, Donald Trump is is not really a partier, so the person he put in charge of the Cinco de Mayo festivities happy, at the White House. Happy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Party animal, Mike Piss. Happy- Buenos todos, uh, todos oh and feliz casi Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Jamie Benson running the board there. Jamie, uh, can you think of one politician whiter than Mike Piss. No, sir. I didn't think so, right? Somebody on Twitter pointed out he probably thought he was celebrating Cinco de Mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayonnaise tacos. That's, that's it. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Cinco de Mayo. We're going to talk about the health care bill. Lots of other great, great stuff coming up. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Jamie Benz. Let's start with some headlines on a Friday morning. Start with some book news. Ivanka Trump out with a new book this week. You hear about this one. It's called Women Who Work. I can't read or write. Oh. Mm. Rewriting the rules for success. Not clear on whether she can write either. She's gotten a (laughs) little bit of criticism here for the book. She includes a lot of uh, famous quotes, role models of hers, Jane Goodall being one of them. She has a quote reading, quote, what do you do? What you do makes a difference and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Jane Goodall not happy about this, telling NBC News yesterday, quote, I understand that Ms. Trump has used one of my quotes in her forthcoming book. I was not aware of this. I've not spoken with her, but I sincerely hope she will take the full import of my words to heart. Oh, wow. Even worse. Uh, a Ivanka, flame war with Jane Goodall. A flame war with, with Jane Goodall. Even worse. 
uh, Ivanka using uh, a quote from uh, acclaimed author Toni Morrison. Uh, the quote involves slavery, of course. It's from uh, the the Pulitzer-winning prize uh, book, Beloved, which tells oh, the story God. of an escaped slave. Uh, Ivanka Trump uses the quote, Are you a slave to your time or the master of it? Jesus. Just don't Are do that. Serious? Not what a good idea. In more book news, exciting news for our friends John Allen and Amy Parnes. Uh, we learned overnight here that Shattered, the uh, story about Hillary Clinton's doomed campaign, written by John Allen and Amy Parnes, will be receiving a television deal. Sony's TriStar Television has just optioned the rights to that book. They book to turn it into a limited series. There's no writer attached to the project just yet. No word of whether it's going to be a documentary or no kidding. actually acted out. So, That's huge. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking uh, on the ride in, you know, they had a they had the HRC book first. No no movie, no TV series made out of that one. Of course, John Hellman and Mike Halperin made a, uh, a movie out of the what's the game change? Game change. The Sarah Palin uh, movie from a couple of years ago. So our friend John Allen, frequent guest host of the show, uh, also host of uh, the DCBS podcast. If John Allen has someone who's going to play him in this movie, it's John Goodman. John Goodman is good. You know who else? I have. Uh, I <laughs> I have two other ones. Okay, Artie Lang. and kevin james no that's mean kevin james is very successful yeah but kevin james would not do john justice you think Artie lang would i think Artie lang would Artie lang's a better actor i agree with kevin james is a garbage actor i don't think kevin james is a funny actor but i think that the similarities but who plays hillary that's the real question maybe she could she's too busy joining the resistance there we go On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Bill Press Show. My name is Pete Ogb- Peter Ogburn. I'm going to get my own name right here before we start the show. Hey, Peter. Hey. 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 What's the guy on uh, Twitter, NYC Guido voice? <laughs> Thank you for joining the show. Uh, I had a late night, so I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, getting it all out, the cobwebs out of my sizz this morning. Uh, can we talk about this, Jamie? Are we yeah, able to talk yeah, about yeah, this? Yeah, definitely. Jamie and I took the day yesterday. We had ourselves a day. We went and saw a double feature. What was the last time you saw uh, two movies back, two movies on the same day? I the can theater? tell you, actually. Che. Do you remember that long two-part Che Guevara movie? You went and saw that? Yeah. God, Awful. How that movie that? sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. And then Matt Damon shows up all of a sudden, like halfway through the second oh movie, God. and it, his his role makes no sense. How long was that? I think it's like six and a half hours. Oof. They played it at East Street down the street here Oof. when I was in college. I thought it was you know faux intellectual. So we see, yeah, no, that's fair. I, I, I know what you mean. I've uh, so we went and saw a double feature of Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday. With my kids, by the way. Jamie <laughs> Jamie got to see me in- By the way, Sip loves this. <laughs> Jamie got to see me in full dad mode, which, like, doesn't always happen here at work, right? But, like, it was me and Jamie and my two kids. Spoiler alert, Peter doesn't talk to his kids. Oh, come on. That's not, <laughs> that's not nice. <laughs> so we went to- We went and saw the first- Which you've never seen the first Guardians of the Galaxy I've never seen it, no. All right, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, is- 
without a doubt my kid's favorite movie and i love the movie it is a it is an excellent movie jamie your thoughts it was fantastic the first one i mean i i'm a casual consumer of the marvel movies but you're a sci-fi guy i like certain sci-fi are you just a star wars products i like star wars i'm not a big star trek guy oh okay I like some TV that's out of the ordinary, like The Leftovers. I'm into. I don't count that as sci-fi. You never watched it. I've watched. A, I watched half of a season. Okay, uh, and but but I, I I enjoy the Marvel movies, and this was one of the better ones. It's great. It's a great movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was good. Not as good as the yeah. first one. No, definitely not. Not as good as the first one, but it was good. Uh, but it was a double feature situation, so we went to the first movie. And then there was 30 minutes in between, which was just enough time for us to sneak out and grab beers and throw darts yeah, with throw my darts. kids. Yeah. Uh, like My kids threw darts for the first time. Didn't uh, go so well. Not so great. <laughs> Everybody's fine, for the record. But we, it was like the, the, the birth that we gave my children, the wide birth that they had of like six feet around them. No one would even come anywhere close to them. By the way, I got to show this for the folks that are watching on oh, the Oh, you got the lanyard yet. with you. So they gave us these lanyards. It's yeah. like a VIP pass. Yeah. So they knew if you were walking around the theater, because you with a little break there, you could just walk right back in as long as you had the, your little VIP pass. So the best part was when, so the, the second movie started at what, 7? Seven? 7 o'clock, yeah. So we, we walked out of there at like 9.30, and there are all the lines, and look, I'm one of these people, so don't think I'm being derogatory, but this line of dorks and geeks who are so amped to see the new Guardians movie, who are lined up outside. And we're walking out. We got those little lanyards with the badges. And you heard, like, there was one guy like, oh, my God, where did you guys get those lanyards? Those are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get lanyards. Only we got lanyards. So This is also kind of mean, but I just, I was very concerned about at least half the theater was going through video game playing withdrawal, and I felt for them. Look, that's fair. That's fair. I I go, like, we are a Marvel movie family. We go see these Marvel movies, like, usually opening weekend. I, I read, I, I, I'm a comic books guy. I read comic books. I don't read as many as I used to, and my kids love it. The crowds that go to the opening day comic book movies, bless their hearts. Bless their hearts, yeah. Bless their hearts. You know, good uh, people, my people, at heart, my people. But boy, oh boy, come on! Not a, not a lot of ladies in the crowd. No. One thing I look at look for in superhero movies. Go ahead. Is parallels to today's world. Yeah. Um, I think in Rogue One, yep. the Star Wars movie, we saw a little bit of Trumpian, for sure, uh, authoritative state. For right? sure, yes, could be authoritative state in the future. Did you see that in, in, in either of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? There was I did commentary the, on the rich. The I did in one. the second one. Yeah, the, 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 the commentary on the rich for sure. There's not a big – I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second one was a more personal type of movie, right? Like it was – it definitely played on uh, the growth of the characters. There wasn't a whole lot of commentary. There is a character named Ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can draw from that what you will. Yeah. There you go. Played by uh, Kurt Russell, by the way. Kurt Ru- By the way, Kurt Russell is in the movie? I had no idea he was going to be in the movie. Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone is, in, is the in the movie? That's not a spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler. And he it's, it's a very short part. It's, yeah. it's short and sweet. It's good. We know he's a Trump supporter, so... By the way, you know, so who was in, you know who was in talks to be in the movie uh, was uh, Al Pacino. As uh, Sly Stone's character? I think he was the Sly Stone character. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think I'm going to say anything else about the movie. I, I, I think you should go. If you like sci-fi, it's a fun movie. Do you like 3D movies? It's a pretty good 3D movie. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they did a good job with the three. I don't usually go out of my way to see the 3D stuff. Anyway, that's my review of Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. Guardians of the Galaxy One is a is a great, great, fun thrill ride movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Two still very fun. I enjoyed it, but not as good as the first one. I think that's fair. Uh, okay, look, this is going to be one of those shows where uh, it's a pretty one track show in terms of what we have to talk about because there's so much uh, around this healthcare. Obamacare repeal and replace, or the uh, Trump Care implementation. Now, let's just start out by giving the Republicans as much grief as we can about the fact that they barely, still, after all this time, barely got this bill voted on in the House, barely got it passed. And the only way that they got it passed was to not even really address the pre-existing conditions that are that were being ripped out of the bill, but to sort of just acknowledge <laughs> that they didn't have it in there and throw a little bit of money at it. It's uh it's crazy to me what the Republicans did yesterday. So I'm just gonna go through just a couple of facts. We're going to talk to a deputy news editor, Axios, Alexi McCammon, here in just a little while uh, to talk about the healthcare stuff. But I just want to talk a little bit about what Trump promised and what the AHCA, also known as Trump Care or Ryan Care, what it actually offers. Trump promised insurance for, and by the way, I'm, I'm relying heavily on the Washington Post's uh, Philip Dump or Philip Bump. On the, uh, on the numbers on this. Trump promised insurance for everybody. The AHCA would probably result in 24 million more uninsured people by 2026. That is according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office's analysis of the original GOP bill. 24 million more people uninsured. Now, that should be a non-starter. Donald Trump not only promised uh, uh, insurance for everybody on the campaign trail, he repeated it as president, which is baffling. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to promise something on the campaign trail and then pivot or evolve once you've actually assumed the office. It's, a lot of people do that. Obama did that. A lot of it's, it's, it's not abnormal. But to continue to push it after you become president and then deliver a bill that gives the exact opposite is questionable. Trump promised lower numbers and high and lower deductibles. Excuse me, lower numbers and lower deductibles. The AHCA would probably have higher deductibles. The CBO anticipates they will be higher under the AHCA than they would have been if the ACA were kept. In other words, even if you had just kept Obamacare, which a lot of people agree needs some work and needs some tweaking, even if you had kept it. Still, the deductibles would have been lower. Like, what are we doing? What, what, what in the world are we doing here? Trump promised, quote, much less expensive coverage. Much less expensive coverage. The AHCA would probably mean that customers would eventually see lower premiums, dot, 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 
after premiums increased, pricing more expensive patients out of the market. Now, listen to that language. Pricing more expensive patients out of the market. In other words, people who need more care, people who need more attention, they're getting them, they're like kicking them out of the system, y'all, because they can't afford it. Like, do you remember where we were pre-Obamacare and people writing about the crisis that was healthcare in this country? We had a bona fide crisis in this country before Obamacare came along. Less people are dying, more people are getting insurance. And look, you don't like Obamacare? I don't love it either. You still leave the healthcare companies in the in the mix on some level. I'm not going to get on my single payer soapbox, but but you know what? Screw it. Yeah, I kind of am. There's a lesson to be learned here. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. I'm going to go through some more of these numbers here. I'm going to write a note for myself. I just had a get into that in just a second. Trump promised that people who can't pay for coverage would still receive coverage. This is a big one because this is one of the main gripes of Obamacare, that there are people who wanted to get Obamacare but couldn't necessarily afford it because you still had to pay for it. Which I love how people got so upset about, oh, God, I still have to pay for it. It's not so great. It's not free. Yeah, no, it's not free. That's single payer. That's what a lot of these Trump supporters could benefit from, actually want, and what Obama never fought for. Okay, so Trump promised that people who can't pay for coverage would still receive coverage. Okay, all right. From the Washington Post, the AHCA would probably reduce the number of lower-income people with coverage. Well, who cares about them? They're lower-income people. They're not actual humans. This is in part because they will receive less government support to pay premiums. It's also in part because the Republican bill cuts funding to Medicaid, meaning that millions fewer people would be covered under the program. This should set every American into an absolute rage spiral. What kind of country are we? That's... This is, I know that, I, I know that, that, that I'm not the first person to say this. The Reverend Jim Wallace, our good friend, always says a budget is a moral document. It shows who we are as a country and who are, where our priorities lie. And you've got this bill that openly acknowledges that they're going to get higher risk people out of the system, i.e. die or give up. And that lower income people will get less government support so that they can't pay their premium so they will no longer have health insurance. That's what these people want, these Republicans. And for what? A bill that they can't even defend. They not, Some of them didn't even read the thing. Chris Collins, you know Chris Collins. Guy looks like a walking testicle that you see on CNN all the time. The conductor on the Trump train. That's the guy. The one of the first, I think, the first actually member of the I House think he was to endorse Donald Trump. Trump. To, to, to endorse Trump, and boy, he's 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 eating a lot of free meals using that line. From BuffaloNews.com, Congressman Chris Collins told CNN, "Listen to this, listen to this, and if you have any friends." 
who are thinking about voting for a Republican ever again, remember this. Congressman Chris Collins told CNN that he didn't read the entire Republican health care bill that passed on Thursday. He then told the Buffalo News that he was unaware of a key provision in the bill that decimates a health plan that serves 635,000 New Yorkers. Over half a million New Yorkers are going to lose this health plan. And Chris Collins didn't even bother to read the bill. Well, it's because there's an exemption for him, right? There's an exemption for members of Congress. There's an exemption for members of Congress. They so what, get, what does it matter to him? He Come doesn't on. Care. He doesn't care. It's a guy who, by the way, discusses stock tips on the floor of the House. I... Openly talks about how rich he gets off of insider trading tips. I hate these people. Is that okay to say? I, like, I, I, I know we have to reach across the... Well, no, we don't have to reach across the aisle. But we have to reach out to some of these Republican voters who didn't feel like they had a better option than Donald Trump. And we have to show them that there is a better option. And that we have to show them that Democrats are the party of ideas. And the Democrats know how to lead and govern and not turn everything into some sort of a dumpster fire every single day. Democrats have got to get out there and show that they have better ideas and that they can fix this soon-to-be debacle that the house has created. Now here here's here here are a couple of things, right? Because Jamie, do you have that clip of the Democrats singing as the Republicans voted this down? Democrats know exactly what this means for them. No 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 So they know we got to teach them some harmony, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're a little, a little pitchy dog, but they know that they now have the opportunity to run against these house members who voted for this giant hill of dog S that is the AHCA Trump care or Ryan care. They can go out and they can run against these Republicans and say, these are the people that took away or wanted to take away your health care. Now, the lesson learned from all of this, for me, is that Democrats, I want to be careful because I, I think that Barack Obama did a very good job as president. But one thing that I had a, had a, a problem with is on the single-payer stuff because I think in his heart of hearts, Obama even sort of acknowledged single-payer would be great, but we can't get it done. And a lot and during the campaign, Hillary Clinton said, you know, Bernie Sanders talks about single payer, but we can't get it done. And these centrist Democrats who come out and say, Oh, well, this is a better idea, but we're not gonna fight for it. And like the political calculation of that, I do on some level understand because that like compromise is uh is part of politics, right? But at the same time, we compromised on Obamacare. Obamacare is a compromise. Obamacare is not a democratic plan. It's not a plan that progressives should be excited about. It was a compromise. And look at what they did to the compromise. So you know what the lesson here is? No more compromise. We're done with it. If you're a Republican, or you're a de- or excuse me, if you're a Democrat and you pay attention to this and you think that we need a single payer health care system, then 
God damn it, that's what we have to fight for. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's a family show. I'm sorry. I shouldn't talk like that. It's a family show. You don't have to dump it, James. <laughs> Jamie's looking at me. It's all right. You don't have to dump it. I'd love to have some Alex Jones clips ready for you. Give me a give me a couple minutes here. Um. So, like, look, that's where Democrats have to be. If you want to be a strong Democrat running uh, in in 2018, come out and say, hey, you know what we need? We need single payer, and I'm going to fight for it. And single payer means you're going to get your health care back. Your premiums are going to go down. Uh, lower income people are not going to die because we're getting them, quote, out of the system, as some Republicans have put it. I just, uh, let's hear from some Democrats here really quickly, Jamie. Uh, Sheila Jackson Lee yesterday talked about the pre-existing conditions stuff in here and just really spells it out as to what's going on. The pittance that you've given for pre-existing condition, $8 billion. They say you need $25 billion, and then you're telling the states, oh, get a waiver. That's going to celebrate. And then you're saying to Trump the king that we have the votes. Trump the king. That's what I love. That's what I love is like of all the accusing of Barack Obama of being some emperor or some king, Donald Trump is actually doing what they accused Obama of. And really quickly, I want to hear the, uh, the John Yarmouth clip, our, our buddy John Yarmouth, who's in here often, uh, from Kentucky, has seen the benefit of Obamacare especially in Kentucky. Kentucky is one of the success stories out of Obamacare. John Yarmouth is not happy. A few Republican members who are so desperate for some type of political victory, they are willing to risk the health and well-being of their constituents to ram through a bill without hearings, analysis, or most alarmingly, any sense of morality. I just want to say something here real quick. Hit it. Paul Ryan ruined John Yarmouth's derby weekend. Oh. John Yarmouth is not going to have a good time at, at his oh. Kentucky Derby. Man, that's right. Yeah, you know we should get him in. Uh, maybe not next week, but soon. he he always has good derby uh, stories. Oh yeah, most most of which involve bourbon. You know, I still got that bourbon he brought me. A little Woodford, yeah. yeah, yeah a little oh, Woodford. I drank that. First, I'm going to drink like a waterfall of Woodford tomorrow. So I've heard. So you've heard. I don't watch horse racing because it's cruel. I think horse racing is very cruel. But I will drink a lot of bourbon and, like, just not watch TV during the Derby. That's okay, right? Is that okay for my animal-loving friends? Yeah. Like, I'm Brother Nature. I don't, I, don't, I don't like animal cruelty. I think horse racing is wild cruel. But I'll show up and put on a bow tie and, and drink some brown water. Sure. That's okay, right? Yeah. I'm sure people are going to yell at me for that. That's all right. We're on Twitter, by the way, at BP Show, at BP Show. I am on uh, Twitter, at Peter Ogburn, and uh, we are streaming live video at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show, which I need you to go there to subscribe. There's a chat room there. And if I could really quickly do one more plug, I'm, we're not going anywhere. we got some time. Another little plug here. Uh, Patreon.com slash BP Show, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP Show. Here's the thing. We are doing some very, very, very cool stuff there now. And we could get out of the studio. We could go to other people's offices, other people's studios. We could interview them. And we're putting it up online on Patreon, patreon.com slash BP show. And you can watch interviews with people you don't normally get to see here during the show. Like we have a great interview with Greta Van Susteren up there today. All you got to do is pledge $5 a month. 
uh, and you could get uh, those videos plus a new podcast we're working on called The Making of Bernie Sanders, where we talk to a lot of Bernie insiders and sort of walk up to how Bernie Sanders became a thing. $5 will get you all that content. You can contribute a little bit less if you'd like, or you can contribute a little bit more if you like. But there are cool little prizes and rewards for every tier there. Just go to patreon.com slash BP show. Want some Twitter comments? Oh, you going to bless me with those? Give me some Twitter comments. I'm going to start with a Twitter comment coming from our friend Kurt Herner on Twitter. He posted a picture of uh, the uh, white male sandwich uh, in front of the uh, out there in the Rose Garden yesterday. Listen, man. All the members of the uh, House Republicans uh, with Donald Trump. Kurt says the 2018 midterm ad with the picture. These are the guys who took health care away from 24 million for a 7 million tax cut for 400 people. Look at that photo. Look at the photo of that just stack of crappy white beef. Melanie Miller Ugh. commenting on a point that I brought up earlier. We ended up tweeting about this as well. Uh, members of the House exempt uh, from elements of the GOP health care bill, she says, but House kept full coverage for themselves and replied to one of our tweets. And Citadel on Twitter puts it quite plainly and simply, the GOP is more dangerous than ISIS. That's fair. This, this, if the if the if the AHCA Affordable Health Care Act goes through in its current form, it'll inform it'll absolutely kill more Americans than ISIS has. That's a fair point. Yeah, that is a yes, yes, right. Now here's the here's the thing, right? It is not over. The fight is not over. Obamacare has not been repealed. It has not been replaced. It is moving to the Senate. And we're going to talk about some of the specifics of what that means with uh, Alexi McCammon from Axios here in just a moment. But I'll just sort of my take on it is, first of all, the Republicans just want to get it out of the House so they can go to the Senate and they can just get it off of their plates. They don't have to deal with it anymore, which is hilarious if you think about it. Like, that they're so bad at governing that that's what they have to do. But I frankly don't have the confidence <laughs> that is uh, that that it, that the Senate won't screw this up somehow. I mean, they could very well screw it up, easily screw it up. Anyway, give supposed us your- to be some smart people in the Senate. Yeah, like Tom Cotton, and uh, he's an ideas guy, Peter. Ideas guy, that guy. No ideas kicking around that melon head of his. Just remember what the Republicans did. I'll leave it at that. Just remember what the Republicans did. They pushed this bill through, not on its merits, not on the ideas, not on the idea that they could help Americans with this. It was pure pettiness of getting rid of Obamacare so they could say that they got rid of Obamacare. They didn't take the time to explain to their constituents how they can make Obamacare better for them. They just got rid of it or are trying to get rid of it. Anyway, find us on Twitter at BP show at BP show. You can find me on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. You can find Jamie Benson at J Benson DC. Been a while since we opened up the old mail sack. Jamie. Get that mail sack popping. 
the mail sack going uh, this morning. Jay Benson, D.C., on Twitter. and uh, No yeah. Celtics tweets. Oh. I missed that game last night. I'm glad I did. Oh. Yeah, so, like, as, as we were leaving the movie, because Jamie was very concerned. If you don't know Jamie, you should know that Jamie is a Boston sports nut. We've talked about this. Big time. But you also, like, don't miss games. Like, you have to see the games. Yeah. Right. Well, this like, is the, this like, is the NBA playoffs. They're in the fair. second round of the playoffs. But like, I'm not saying that that. But like, I'm a big Spurs fan. I'm not going to stay up till midnight to watch a Spurs game. You'll stay up to watch a Celtics game. Yes. And so you were kind of freaking out that you were going to be in a movie theater during Game Three. Yep. I admire your restraint, by the way. You weren't looking at your phone during the movie. Well, I have a girlfriend now, so I've I've learned some lessons about missing sports games. You know what? good for you yeah yeah it was it it is actually she's good she's She's very good she's been good for you in a lot of ways uh 32 minutes past the hour youtube.com slash the bill press show more details on the healthcare bill and where we go from here with alexi mccammon from axios deputy news editor coming up next here on the bill press show stay tuned and then you're saying to trump the king that we have the votes Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Price Show, 35 minutes past the hour on a Friday, May 5th. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill today. By the way, Jamie, I just want to thank you for your restraint in that first uh, segment because I, I wore the wrong shirt this morning. Like, this is an old, like, wrinkled shirt. And look, I got, like, the captain straps on here. What is that? It's from, like, 2011. You just played yourself. I did. Alexi McCammon is with us, deputy news editor at Axios. Hello. Alexi, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. First time on the show. I know. We're meeting for the first time in real life after being Twitter friends. We're Twitter friends, and we've never met IRL. I know. And here we are. Wait, wait, are you just eating on air, Jamie? Mm-hmm. Look. Lexi and I are real life friends. Yeah, we are. Oh, yeah. Y'all have hung out before. Mm-hmm. Well, well late to the party here. <laughs> Sorry. As per usual. Didn't, didn't throw you that invite. Yeah, so I got this old man, like, Captain Strap shirt because i uh we got in late last night because we we saw the new guardians movie oh nice and then jamie got up with me at 4 a.m and went to my gym we went to the gym what was the routine jamie runs and then i go do i go push weight okay so jamie's a runner and then i and then i get up in the morning to go push weight and then i put the wrong shirt in my bag so now i look like this it's like i got like a low thing happening i know it's a a whole thing i'm I'm very self-conscious you going to Cuba tonight, bro? <laughs> that was that was terrible. That's my one. That's your one. I'll let you have that one. Flag uh, still in there, by the way. What's that? There's a Cuban flag still in there. No, no, no. I'm gonna stop talking. No, I'm wearing it. Flag. I'm wearing it as a shirt. Apparently, eat some more uh, food with the mic open. That's what you should do. No, it's Cinco de Mayo. Uh, do you celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Does anybody celebrate? Like, I, don't, don't go out for Cinco de Mayo, by the way. <laughs> Buenos tardes a todos and feliz casi Cinco de Mayo. Oh, my gosh. Mike Piss. Like, the whitest person in America? 
celebrating Cinco de Mayo? Apparently it's now a celebration of Mexican-American culture, which is totally just uh, Western appropriation. Feels like it. <laughs> in the Trump presidency, in the Trump era, it is a celebration of Taco Bowls. Yes. Mass Trump produced. Taco Bowls. Happy anniversary. One year anniversary, I mean, by the way. tasty. Happy anniversary. The Trump Taco Bowl tweet. <laughs> I'd probably eat one. Not from Trump Tower, I wouldn't. <laughs> but I don't you think didn't it'd... know, though. Mm, it's still probably good. Just, just so you know, here's what the I haven't tweet... had a taco bowl in forever. <laughs> I want to I just point out. What Maybe this... never. I don't what... think I've ever yeah. had a taco bowl. What this tweet actually out. read. Do I? They're good. It's like a salad with a tortilla, a giant tortilla. It's like a tortilla bowl, like a right. corn chip bowl. <laughs> it's gross. It's that, edible. Yeah. Do you always want to eat what you're eating <laughs> off of? I don't eat soup out of a bread bowl either. Also missing Ooh, out. I, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a stand up for bread bowls. Bread yeah. bowls, if, if the bread's good, it's a nice <laughs> I hear Cyprian yelling in there. Cyprian, <laughs> bread bowls are good. Broccoli <laughs> cheddar soup in a bread yes, bowl? Yes, Panera? Yeah. Not sponsored. What is right? <laughs> Hashtag sponsored content. <laughs> You know what I like to do? I like to eat my food off of a plate like a like a grown-ass mm. man. Mm. Can I read this Trump tweet? That's it. All right. The Trump tweet reads, this is a year ago today, happy hashtag Cinco de Mayo. The best taco bowls are made in Trump Tower Grill. I love Hispanics. I love Hispanics. You think I would add that part as a joke at the end? No, no, no. That's real. That's an actual tweet from Donald Trump. I love a picture Hispanics. of him grinning in front. Flashback Friday. Similar times. FBF. (laughs) TBT or FBF. So the the, the last thing I'm going to say about Cinco de Mayo, and then we'll talk about like actual stuff. Cool. Uh, Don't go out and go drink a crappy margarita on on May 5th, just because it's May 5th. Because it's like, like, uh, in terms of the douchebag economy that's out drinking today, it's second only to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I feel that. Right. Also, the weather's not nice enough for a margarita. The weather's not nice enough for a margarita. It's not. And it's amateur hour. There are people who yeah. like, t- look, they're professional drinkers. <clears throat> Hi. <laughs> Have we met? And then there are people who just go out and like, oh, I got to go drink a ton of green beer on St. Patrick's Day or drink sure. a ton of tequila on Cinco de Mayo. And those are the people that usually get arrested. But you don't want to be out with those people. No. I'd prefer not to get arrested yeah. for margaritas. Yeah, I don't want to get arrested <laughs> for drinking margaritas again. Ugh. Okay, so Alexi McCammond, uh, Deputy News Editor at Axios. The House has pushed through the AHCA, which is Trump Care or Ryan Care. Um, How did they finally get it done? Because they had a couple of scheduled votes that didn't happen, and they finally got it done. How did we get over the finish line for the Republicans? This Upton Amendment clearly changed everything. It encouraged three major conservative groups, which Trump mentioned a couple of them yesterday, Tuesday Group um, and two others. They were sort of on board after this amendment came out, and the amendment basically... Um, decided that there would be $8 billion in funding over five years for high-risk pools. So this was a way for them to sort of say, okay, people are unhappy with the original proposal for this bill because they think it will abandon sick people. Here's an additional $8 billion over five years to help with high-risk pools. And so high-risk pools are basically a safety net for people who, for insurers who would otherwise have to pay very expensive fees to cover sick people or for sick individuals who are pushed out of the market because they can't pay. Um, but someone from the Kaiser Foundation, um, Larry Levitt, told my colleague David Nather that this $8 billion would actually only cover approximately 160,000 people with pre-existing conditions, and there's an estimated $130 million with pre-existing conditions. Give me those numbers one more time. So the $8 billion um, of this Upton <laughs> Amendment over five years would help 
160,000 people. 160,000 people. Of an estimated 130 million with pre-existing conditions. Okay. According to Larry Levitt at the Kaiser Foundation, who spoke with my colleague. That's... um. That's a that's that's a pretty big divide. It is. So it's sort of it's just a tiny fraction of the people who would need this help. Um, and, you know, that those are facts that are important for people to know. Um, but Republicans admittedly did a really good job of convincing people that this is a way to cover people with preexisting conditions. And I hope that it is. Um, I think it'll certainly change when it gets to the Senate. But this pushed a lot of people who are in the no camp to the yes camp and um made it pass through the House, which is what they wanted. Okay, so you just mentioned the Senate, because this is where this now goes. Despite all the victory laps they took yesterday, this is far from over. Right. I mean, congratulations to the House on getting something done that they promised they would do for the last seven and a half years. (laughs) Um, This bill delivers on the promises that we have made to the American people. There he goes. There's Paul Ryan. Uh, And and, and as Paul Ryan pointed out, Jamie, in that that clip about how... uh, there are people who are serving in Congress solely to cast that vote that they cast yesterday. A lot of us have been waiting seven years to cast this vote. Many of us are here because we pledged to cast this very vote to repeal and replace Obamacare. So it's done. They, they've done it in the House. It now goes to the Senate. Now, there are some people who pointed out that, realistically, the House just wanted to get it off their plate. Right. I agree with that. I think they were sick of dealing with it, and I think they were trying to just get it through as quickly as possible. I think it'll it could come back to them, right? Like I think it'll definitely change in the Senate because there's no way I think it'll pass and get 60 votes right now. Yeah. Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, I think they're going to be really difficult to convince. I think they will require additional amendments that, and they really want states to have more freedom. And the current amendments have already given states more freedom. They can opt out of uh, providing coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. They can charge them higher premiums. Um, and an important important point about that is that's an interesting bipartisan consensus. 52% of Democrats and 48% of Republicans don't want states to be allowed to opt out of providing coverage for those with pre-existing conditions or to be able to charge them higher premiums, according wow. to a poll yesterday from Politico and Morning Consult. Wow. So it's sort of like this is a clear bipartisan consensus. People don't want states to do this, yet House Republicans, Senate Republicans really want it to be done. And that's what they're doing. Okay. So you talked about some of the Senate opponents. Let's let's go a little bit deeper on that. So because the problem with the House was not the Democrats. They were hardly right. the ones blocking this. It was getting enough Republican votes. So let's talk about the Republicans of the Senate and some of the opposition that this might face there. Yeah. So um, obviously Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, I think, are two of the biggest. Um Ted Why would Cruz Ted Cruz hate? Really wants uh, more states to have more freedom oh, to choose, like how insurers cover their residents in mm-hmm. that state. Um, and Rand Paul is really upset about the premiums, which is true. There was an estimate that premiums could rise by twenty-seven thousand dollars, and that, Jesus. like, I couldn't pay that, and no. I think a lot of people can't pay that, and that shuts out tons of low-income people who, frankly, just wouldn't be able to afford health care. Um, I think that them, you know, not just blindly accepting this bill is a good thing because I think in its current state, it's not something that Republicans are actually 100 percent behind. I think they just wanted to get it through to the Senate. Um, So I think it's a good thing if it goes through necessary amendments. And I am hopeful that once it gets to the Senate, there will be more bipartisan consensus and collaboration because they won't be able to pass it without the Democrats getting on board or some sort of compromise. Democrats are going to get on board. 
Sorry? Democrats are not going uh, are to get not, on board. Right. No, they're, they're, they're going to need a lot of changes. Yeah. Um, how many changes they'll get, I'm not sure. But I think that the bill we'll see after it's gone through the Senate is not going to be what we see now. Will this ever get out of the Senate is really, like, the question. Not on the first try. But sure. I would say that Senate Republicans, so Mitch McConnell um, said recently that, you know, he's not going to, he said yesterday they won't vote on it unless they have the CBO report, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, checks and balances. That's yeah. what we need. That's what we've been hoping for. And that is admirable when the House just flew it through the House without really considering what the CBO report would say um, past the initial estimate. Another senior aide told my colleague, Caitlin Owens, that it will be several weeks until they even start to consider it. And he also said that they are not going to rush through it and that um, they're going to take a lot of different things into consideration rather than just trying to pass it through. Um, So I think that's hopeful. I'm hopeful about that. I think that you're very optimistic. I am, because I think that the way that we've seen it handled in the House is fine. They did what they did to get a relative win, and that's what they want, and they did that. I think that when it gets to the Senate, it'll be totally different. I think that's I think that's fair. I think, yeah. that, but I also think that if you look at how they got it done in the House, it was pretty sloppy. They'll survive it, right? I think. I, I mean, at least for now. But like, once it starts to kick in, I really do think Democrats have a point in that this legislation, if it goes through, will take away benefits from a lot of people. Right. It just will. Right. And that is that that is a death sentence for a politician. Once you give somebody right. something, you cannot take it away from them. And if you are the one who takes it away from them, bye. Like yeah. you're done. Yeah, exactly. So like, like 2018's right around the corner. Yeah, and so like I don't want to act like I'm too giddy about this because I do think that just an unbiased look at at the numbers and what at what people have said examining this like there there's chance that people will die because they're not going to get health care i'm not trying to be grim about it but at the same time that is the message that republicans sort of lined up behind in the house right and that's not good that's not a good look no well also something you're saying is that you know senate republicans have a lot to lose by voting yes on this bill if in fact it would be detrimental for a lot of people um there was a report from 538 just the other day that in 2010, when Democrats voted in favor of the Affordable Care Act, they lost their House seats to Republicans by a margin of 13 to 17 points. This year, wow. in, tw- in 2016, House Republicans, 33 House Republicans, won their seats by 14 points or less. Oh, 27 boy. of them voted yes for the HCA. They're toast. So... It's something for them to think about, especially when they're going to these town halls and people are upset and they're coming to them with their anecdotes about, you know, their dad or their mom and their kid who has some pre-existing condition. And those are just the mainstream ones. I'm sure you've seen the reports of these pre-existing conditions that are crazy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I mean, look, to me, what it comes down to is so many Republicans for so long have just been fighting for uh like these niche interests in their in their districts right, right? and you can kind of get away with that because it doesn't really affect other people like the, the people outside of that niche does that make sense yeah and so now they're at this point where this is going to affect people across the board if, if it's not you specifically it will be you know your parents or your brother or your sister or your right. mother father-in-law like you will know somebody who is using some form of this Affordable Care Act. 
that's going to see it go away. Right. And so, like, that's the t- that's the tough calculation for them is you're going to have a lot of those chickens come home to roost, and it's sort of critical mass now. Right. And I, I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of Republicans just get tossed Completely I think so tossed. too. Uh, another Axios plug. There is Get it. a great Axios.com, y'all. Yes. Uh, sign up for our newsletters. Mike Allen got an amazing uh, sneak peek of this new production. I don't remember who it's from. I should, um, but it's at the top of the homepage today uh, of the like House seats breakdown for 2018. Mm. Um, and it basically flips, I think, 20 seats to Democrats. Wow. Which really? is huge. Yeah. So, and that's just, that's one day after yeah, this passed the House. immediate. Right. And obviously Holy everything cow. is, you know, sort of just a speculation right now. But I do think that there are detrimental effects that Senate Republicans, House Republicans could face for pushing this through, especially so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. like, what, what were they really benefiting from by pushing it through the House so quickly, besides that, having a relative win? I, I actually wanted to ask you about that because, so here they are now. They have the presidency. They have the House. They have the Senate. They have the time now right. to work on something and sell on its merits. I don't think that they did a very good job of selling this bill and say, like, this bill will help people because of blank. Right? right. Like, they right. they can't make that argument. They can yeah. go out and say, well, this isn't Obamacare, and so that's... Right. But, like, why not? Why not do that? Again, I think they just wanted to get it off their hands, and I think that this is Donald Trump's first major legislation that he has passed. And with a week-long recess and another recess coming up in August, I think they are just really hoping to move forward. I think announcing the tax reform plan last week was a strategic move because they have said they won't move on to that until they pass health reform through the House. So that was sort of a preview of, like, we are serious and we're doing this. I think it was too hasty. Um, but I think it's partisan politics. I think yeah. they wanted to win. They got to win. We'll see what happens when it's in the Senate. I do think, though, that when you're dealing with something that would affect, you know, one-sixth of the U.S. economy and everyone in the U.S., you should wait for the CBO report at minimum. Yeah, I, I will say, like, but, the optics on this, as they say, are not very good. Right. Um, and, and I don't understand why. I, I really do keep coming back to that. Like, why not just I – mean, like, if you want to get it done in the first 100 days – Right. Okay, that's a, that's a goal. Well, we're past that, so who cares? Right. Well, also, though, we just heard that clip from Paul Ryan, who was like, we, some of us have waited seven years to yeah. make this very vote. And that, I think, is honestly the That's main why. driving factor. That's they why. have. That was all of their campaign promises. Donald Trump said it from day one. He would repeal into place on the same day. Certainly, that's not possible. <laughs> right. It hasn't happened. That's not how things but, work. Exactly. But, like, I think that's their driving force. It's like, we said we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, you know, bringing it full circle, that's why Donald Trump got elected. People think that he does what he says he will do, and that's what he is trying to show. Yeah. I just I, oh, yes, Trump does what he says he's going to do, but he also said everybody's going to have health care. Right. Everybody's going to have health care. He even said that after he won. Like, yeah. I get why he said it on the campaign trail, right? Right. Because, like, course. that's what politicians do, and then they you right. know, pivot once they get into office. <laughs> but, like, after he got into office, he still, like, as of, like, two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Jamie, Jamie, do you have that clip of him talking to the uh, Australian Prime Minister uh, Turnbull? That he's talking to the Prime Minister of Australia about the healthcare system that he has there. And listen to what he says. We have a failing healthcare. I shouldn't say this to our great gentleman and my friend from Australia because you have better healthcare than we do. Great. 
That's great. That's that's great. <laughs> the same day that they move this great new healthcare right. thing through the house, right. he says Australia's got better healthcare than we do. Right. You know, he that's his strategy. Yeah, no, he I likes know. playing to people's anger and emotions. And I think if you really want to buy into that, amazing. You have a great opportunity to do that. But otherwise, you take it with a grain of salt and you hope for you know improvements moving forward. Do you think Donald Trump understands uh, this this bill from the House? Do you think Donald Trump understands healthcare at all? But like, he never made the pitch for it. No, not, not uh, in a nuanced way that right. implied that he knew what the hell was going on. Right. Yeah. Um, I would like to hope so. I don't know what Donald Trump. Knows you are and what so he optimistic. Know. <laughs> I'll give you credit. You are one Thank optimistic you. person. You did, well, there was an NBC video I think yesterday when uh, a reporter was standing asking House Republicans as they walked by if they had read the text and they all kind of nervously like didn't make eye contact and you know walked away that you know they're busy they do that no matter what question you're asking so yeah. it could have just been you know partisan way of framing it but it you know I don't know they were but like you know there's no way it's just, all right Democrats did not do a great job of getting Obamacare through, right. right like right. clearly this whole idea that we've got to pass the bill before you can read the bill is BS. Yeah. And that was a line that Democrats used. But the way that the Republicans went through with no CBO score, they scheduled the vote before the text was even out of the bill. Right? Like it wasn't even right. like Tuesday right. night or yet yeah, or Wednesday night, whatever it was. Like the text of the bill wasn't even out yet. And, there, and the vote right. was going to happen at one o'clock the next right. day. Well, also, apparently, only a handful of Republicans had seen the Upton Amendment, um, <laughs> which. I mean, even still, it was successful for them, so maybe only a handful need to see it to be persuasive. And I think, you know, Donald Trump and Mike Pence were really pushing and campaigning for this in the final hours, making yeah. personal phone calls, having lunch with House Republicans and lawmakers. They were serious. I mean, can you imagine if it had failed? It would have been, I think Donald Trump would not have been happy. No, he wouldn't have been to happy. To say the least. Uh, I read this quote earlier, but Chris Collins, this is from buffalonews.com, Congressman Chris Collins told CNN he did not read the Republican health care bill that passed on Thursday. And then he told the Buffalo News that he was unaware of a key provision of the bill that decimates a health plan that serves 635,000 New Yorkers. Jeez. Yeah. Well, so there were a couple it's of just like, yesterday It's so naked that. and open of just like, yeah, we, uh, we don't read the bill. What are we right. going to do? We read the bill? No. Yeah. Well, and, and there are so many, quote, little known provisions within this amendment, the Upton Amendment that, you know, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal reported on yesterday, one that directly affects special education programs through this $880 billion cut to Medicaid over 10 years. Um, 70% of school districts who receive Medicaid funding, which is like $14 million annually, use it for their special education programs. And now with this provision in this amendment, states will be allowed to decide that schools are not Medicaid eligible institutions. Right. So there are all these little provisions that are affecting children, schools, the elderly, that as someone who represents different states and counties, you should know how it will affect your constituents. And I think that's the most problematic part about not reading the amendment. It's not like, oh, haha, we just wanted to pass it quickly, so we didn't have time to read it. It's like, no, these things actually you should think about. They matter. Right. Yeah, they actually matter. Right. And Uh, now they know about them. So that's good. (laughs) At least there's that. Now they know. Uh, we have about ninety seconds left. I want to ask you uh, what happens next in the House. What are they? What, what's what's next on their on their plate? Uh, I think tax reform. I think that will be their next big 
hurdle. I don't think it's going to be easy because as you saw when they unveiled it, everyone was like, what does this even mean? We have more questions than answers. Um, and again, that's like something that Donald Trump has been touting since day one is, you know, it's going to be health care and then tax reform. And I think he's proving with this speedy passage through the House that he's ready to move on to what he said he's going to do. If I was someone who made ads for Democrats trying to get elected, uh, I would say it would be great if the GOP House uh, repealed Obamacare and then redid tax reform to help the wealthy. Because like that's kind of where they're starting. Right. And uh, right. Well, you saw all the new ads yesterday already. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's happening. It's happening. They're wasting no time. Which it's like, happening. Yeah, they don't have any time to waste. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, well, what a delight to have you in. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming in. Great. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, first first you. visit here won't be the last. I hope so. Uh, Deputy News Editor at Axios, Alexi McCammon. Follow her on Twitter at Lexi McCammon, M-C-C-A-M-O-N-D. And uh, check out Axios.com. Coming up next, we'll be talking to White House correspondent for Yahoo News, Hunter Walker. So stick around to The Bill Press Show. It's YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Take a very, very quick break. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today, Friday, May 5, Cinco de Mayo. May the 5th be with you. That's a thing, right? Thank you all so much for joining us here on the Bill Price Show. YouTube uh, doesn't merit a response. <laughs> I saw you reaching for that mic and <laughs> it just moved on real quick. Uh, YouTube.com slash The Bill Price Show. Not only can you watch the show streaming live every day, but we put content up there all throughout the day, little clips that you can't necessarily get anywhere else. Go check that out. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And also at patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Just give us five bucks a month. We will give you fantastic content, including an exclusive interview with Greta Van Susteren yesterday we put up. Uh, if you go contribute there, you can get access to that video. Here's the thing about that video. She talks about uh, a lot of cool stuff, like the difference between covering Obama versus covering Trump. Uh, she talks about some of her personal experiences. She also talks about... Uh, the Bill O'Reilly stuff, because you know she used to be a Fox News, so she actually addressed that in our interview. That's patreon.com slash BP show. We've got uh, Hunter Walker from Yahoo News covering the White House coming in in just a moment. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Jamie Benson has just the headlines. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. We begin, we sort of touched on this earlier. Donald Trump was in New York City last night. 
for the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Coral Sea, a World War II naval battle. Well, uh, Donald Trump's a New Yorker, obviously, right? Grew up there. Sure, yeah. Some of his uh, home state friends uh, showed up to protest him. About a few hundred protesters showing up along Manhattan's West Side Highway to shout and jeer at Donald Trump's motorcade as he made his way to the dinner. Uh, Lots of chants of, New York hates you. (laughs) There were some supporters there as well, so Donald Trump, not everybody in his home state, uh, can't stand him. Nobody can jeer quite like a New York crowd, as I'm sure Hunter Walker can attest to who's with us. Hey, Hunter, how you doing, man? Not bad. I have been jeered many, many times in my hometown. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Y'all do it pretty well. Uh, hey, Peter, hey, Hunter, are you guys in the market for a new pair of shoes? No, I just bought a new pair of shoes, actually. All right, well, maybe you need a new pair of basketball shoes. Uh, a new pair of basketball shoes announced yesterday at a retail price of $495. Who? Which one of these big brands might be releasing these shoes? Nike, Adidas, Under Armour? Bruce. None of them. None oh. of them. The brand is called Big Baller Brand, Uh-oh. and it's run by LeVar Ball, <laughs> who is a maniacal basketball dad uh, whose son Lonzo Ball is expected to be taken either first or second in this year's NBA draft. That's right, $495 for the Z02 from Big Baller Brand. They look like a pair of leather shoes. They uh, look like Rockport. Mixed with maybe a, a a later release Jordan shoe. Uh, Peter, I have bad news for you. If somehow you do decide to come around to these, I know you have big feet. I do. Uh, sizes 14 and 15 go up to $695. What? As a retail price. I still couldn't wear those. They don't make, they don't make my size. Uh, and there's also a limited edition at $995. Good grief. So that's how that works. I'm kind of freaking out because like my oldest kid, who is uh, 12 now, is starting to become kind of a sneakerhead. Right. And, I, and I'm really trying to be like, you know what? No, let's not do this. See, I wasn't a sneaker as a kid. I like sneakers. I think they're they're really impressive, really cool to have. But if, don't let your kids get into sneakers. Oh, wait, oh, hold on here. Count. I think we're burying the lead. What size shoe do you wear, Peter? <laughs> I wear a size. It's off the charts. I wear a size 17. So, so what you need to do Look, is just take your shoe. I play basketball in these big things here. <laughs> so this is, how, this is what I ball with. But I think you can make new shoes from bo- for both your kids out of the hand <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can save money in this whole parenting thing. You can also like make a maybe house for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, this is shelter for our yeah. children. Uh, very, very quick break. We'll be right back with more with Hunter Walker from Yahoo News. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you so very much for joining us on a Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, Make sure you are listening to our podcast every day. We put up the podcast. So Jamie used to take the podcast and edit it down into like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and and then we found people don't care for my artfully edited podcasts. First of all, I just want to say you did a great job with it. However, people were saying, we want the whole show. We want the whole show. We want all two hours. Get asked and answered. 
We now put up all two hours of the podcast. Uh, so you can go do that on iTunes. Look for the Bill Press Show. If you don't do the iTunes thing, go to BillPressShow.com. We have it all there. Uh, so one way or another, we're going to get you. We're going to find you. And you're going to listen to our podcast. By the way, you know, I have a girlfriend who has an Android phone. You know, I know. Uh, bang, bang, green bubble gang. <laughs> so, you know, they don't have iTunes, Apple Podcasts on Android phones, obviously. Uh, we are on Podomatic. Okay. Podomatic. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a thing people use. Yeah. So. I, and I know a lot of people don't like the, the I'm going to stop this, but I'm, I know a lot of people don't like the, the iTunes uh, podcast app. I don't mind it. It doesn't bother me. But anyway, it it made a lot of rides and a lot of rental cars much better for me on the campaign. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, you, you I imagine like all that driving around on on the campaigns if you're a podcast guy. You know, I I wasn't initially, but I I sort of finally tried it when I was on a particularly long stretch. Yeah. And it it's really cool. It just updates you. It puts the new episodes right there. Yeah. You can find Richard Simmons, you can find the Bill Press show, or, you know, everything you need. Do you listen to political podcasts, Hunter, or when you're on those trips, you sort of want to take a break? I, I listen to basically everything but political yeah. podcasts, yeah. and of course the totally daily fair. Bill Press Except show. for the Bill Press That's show. My yeah. That's my man right there. You have headphones. What were you listening to when you came in? Um, you know, I downloaded the um, New Gorillas album, Oh which yeah, I've been very excited about. I found it extremely disappointing. It's just all right, right? It's okay. Yeah. yeah. The remixes are out now, and they are much better I believe those are good. than the album itself. Yeah. I think I'm, you know, they're playing here soon. I think I'm actually going to go see that, just because their live show is pretty crazy. I also love Damon Albarn for, like, different reasons. I, I love Blur, but uh, I'll have to listen to the remixes. That's a good idea. All right, Hunter, we didn't come here to talk about uh, about music. We came here to talk about uh, all things White House. You cover the White House for Yahoo News. And by the way, uh, y'all should be following Hunter on Twitter at Hunter W, Hunter W, uh, and read his fine, fine work at yahoonews.com, right? You go to yahoonews.com. Uh, yahoo.com. Yahoo.com. Slash politics. Whatever you'd like. All right. Go there and check him out. Let's start, first of all, with sort of the issue of the day. That is Trump Care or Ryan Care, Donald Trump. Uh, taking a big victory lap yesterday. Let's hear what he says in the very first clip, Jamie, where he says uh, it's a great plan. It's a great plan. This is a great plan. I actually think it will get even better. And this is, make no mistake, this is a repeal and a replace of Obamacare. Make no mistake about it. Uh, Hunter, is this an actual repeal and replace of Obamacare? Well, let's let's start uh, very narrowly. What this is is something that passed the House and has, by all um, by all opinions I've heard, very little chance of passing the Senate. So as of right now, this is not very much at all. Um, all that being said, um, it, it isn't exactly a full repeal and replace of Obamacare. I mean, one of the final sticking points, as I'm, I'm sure your listeners will remember, this initially couldn't even pass the House. This is sort of take two for the Republicans. And one of the big sticking points was pre-existing conditions. And as you know, uh, with Obamacare, there's a mandate to cover, pe you know, to cover people with pre-existing conditions. Um, this gets rid of that mandate, but what the sort of last minute element that got the deal passed, and it actually involved um, Kate Upton's Uncle Fred, which yeah, I, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I have to bring up every time he's involved with something. It has to. Um, but, you know, there's this now $8 billion pool to ensure that people with pre-existing conditions are covered. And I was, I was talking with Steve Scalise, uh, the majority whip, yesterday in the Rose Garden, and they sort of deny that in any way... Um, 
this is going to leave less people with pre-existing conditions covered, and they point to this pool. So it's not clear whether that's correct. This has not been scored by the CBO. There's a lot of questions about the specifics and the numbers, but they haven't entirely gotten rid of people being covered with pre-existing conditions. So, but I think it might be enough for certain members of Congress to sort of say that they have cover on the pre-existing conditions in the sense that just political coverage for them, right? Like they'll be able to say, like, well, we built this thing in for pre-existing conditions. But the reality is it it, it falls awfully short of what the Affordable Care Act did. Yeah, so we we saw a lot of people standing in the Rose Garden yesterday. I think, you know, it was it, we we were all joking because we're all White House reporters. We're not used to this Hill stuff where every single person have, has to speak. Right. Um, I was, you know, wondering when the interns were going to come up and get congratulated for their fine copying work. Um, <laughs> but, you know, out of the seemingly hundred uh, members of Congress who spoke yesterday... <laughs> Several of them um, were like, and we're covering pre-existing conditions. So it's funny because they don't want to run away from that portion of Obamacare. But you're totally right that, you know, look, you're repealing the mandate. There is no mandate anymore. So what that's been replaced with, in addition to this $8 billion pool, is um, there are now these high-risk pools um, that that these people can be moved into. And New Jersey Congressman MacArthur added an amendment that was also part of salvaging this at the last minute. Um, And this amendment bars insurers from discriminating against people with uh, pre-existing conditions. So they are required to offer plans to these people, which which was not the case prior to the ACA. However, there's nothing in there stopping these plans, capping the price of these plans. So these plans could be extremely expensive um, and, in fact, cost prohibitive. So there's no question in that sense that it's less coverage and that it might, you know, it might price people out of plans. Like that's one of the things that I, as a progressive, would look at Obamacare and say, well, I think it really sucks that the healthcare industry is still so involved in it, and that it's still so expensive for a lot of people. I mean, just, I mean, in the, in the sense that it costs money, and and it gets a lot of people out of that system. And this that makes it a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, the, it makes this, it a lot worse. This does less. You know, I mean, yeah, they're they're standing there saying pre-existing conditions are covered, but there's no question we've moved from a mandate that these people have to be covered to what will be a riskier system. And in this world, and that's why I bring up the fact that the plan wasn't scored at all. Right now, we don't know that eight billion will be enough. That's sort of just a guess. A guess. We're, we're taking Steve Scalise's word for it, essentially. So why have this vote if they weren't? I mean, they have the presidency, they have the House, they have the Senate. Why not take the time to get this right? Well, there are several things going on here. <laughs> the first is, is you know, uh, optics, optics, optics. I yeah. mean, this was a Rose Garden ceremony. I uh, hear there was beer up on the hill. Um, Trump really wanted a Rose Garden ceremony to yeah, the point yeah, that yeah. this was actually one of two. He was yesterday. tweeting about it yet, like before it even happened, as if like... Just to dangle it out there for them. Get this done and you can come to the Rose Garden. Yeah. So, so you know, the, this has been an administration that's been plagued by infighting. Um, they, you know, the immigration ban got um, blocked in the courts. The initial version of this plan got blocked. They have been, you know, craving a win and craving some, you know, at least superficial sense of stability. And and, and this did give them that. Um, the other thing that I think is going on here, and I think we're going to hear the conversation increasingly move towards this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a story. Um, you know, Trump had said at an event that um, we had to do health care first. And I was very curious about this quote because I, I couldn't see um, 
any reason why he would be forced to do any one thing first. But the reason was that, you know, he's got several things he wants to do uh, as the Trump agenda. Um, and one of them is the biggest tax cut since Reagan. That's the phrase he keeps saying. He also wants to increase defense and infrastructure spending. In order to do these things and maintain deficit neutrality, that is not, you know, not add to the national debt, Donald Trump needed some area where yeah. he was going to save money. Yeah. The cutting health care... It was going to save the government money. So essentially, he couldn't move on to the other parts of his agenda and without either adding to the debt or getting a health care plan. And what we saw and, and in my story, I think it was one of the first instances um, White House staff sort of told me, you know, he's open to blowing up the debt. Um, <laughs> How and more recently we saw Jesus. Pence. We saw Pence sort of say that yeah. last weekend on TV. This is sort of a last ditch hail mary. If he can get health care done, even with this extra eight billion in there, he might be able to do his tax cut and have it be deficit neutral. And we saw that yesterday in the Rose Garden. He actually said something along the lines of, "I've been saying I'm going to do the biggest tax cut since Reagan. Now I think it could be even bigger than that." Oh my God. By the way, I love in the Rose Garden yesterday when, uh, you know, they had this big accomplishment that the House got done and Donald Trump was very gracious and uh, gave a lot of credit to the Congress for getting things done. Do we have that clip, Jamie? That one that we were just talking about? How am I doing? Am I doing okay? I'm oh, no present. way. <laughs> no, he, he didn't give he didn't congratulate Congress. He he took another victory lap for himself, of course. How am I doing? Am I doing okay? I'm president. Hey, I'm president. Nice. It, right? Nice. What like what, you know, it's so perfect for him. Like that's how he started it. Instead of talking about the big win, he said brag about being president again. It's so Trump. Well, you know, it was amazing because as I said to you earlier, this was one of two Rose Garden events yesterday. Um, and the first was um, his signing of the executive order that they're saying is yeah. on religious liberty. And my, my favorite Trump quote in the Rose Garden yesterday okay. actually came during the first ceremony. I just pulled it up. He said, if I didn't win, I guess I'd be gone. I'd be out enjoying my life, I think. Um, and so we saw a couple of these quotes yesterday where, where the president kind of oh seemed to be marveling over his own victory and his own positioning and uh, you know it's almost like he's as shocked that he's president yeah. as some people in the country are i believe that i love how sean spicer earlier this week said we can move on and stop talking about the the election guys i haven't seen the president do that once not once yeah not once all right you mentioned the uh religious liberty stuff i wanted to move there with you and and, and talk about that tell me a little bit about what this does uh, this executive order, because Donald Trump has sort of a, a a habit of signing these executive orders that don't necessarily do anything. They just sort of signal an intent, uh, which 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 is hardly like you know the law. But yesterday he talked to me, he had an, he signed an executive order about religious liberty. And tell me a little bit about what that does. Right. So so basically, what the White House is saying is that this is all about freedom of speech. Um, and, you know, that the president v believes religious organizations have been unfairly targeted by this Johnson Amendment, which um, in theory prevents religious organizations from engaging in political activity. Mm -hmm. um, and an example that the White House pointed to twice yesterday, um, once in the briefing and also during remarks in the Rose Garden was Martin Luther King and, and you know, saying and, you know, I love when the Trump White House invokes Dr. King, but um, they were saying that, you know, this type of rule would prevent a figure like 
Reverend Martin Luther King from engaging in, you know, criticism of, say, George Wallace, Mm -hmm. the pro-segregationist governor. That's the example they used. But that example also kind of shows how this wasn't happening. And what I mean is that, in fact, nothing prevented Dr. King from speaking out politically. And the truth of this Johnson Amendment is that it is rarely enforced. Um, So now we have technically gotten rid of it, and that's interesting. But what's also interesting is that this um, executive order is facing criticism from a lot of leading religious conservatives. Um, And, you know, the the allegation out there right now is that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump watered down what um, some in the White House, including Mike Pence, wanted to do here. Um, And what they could have done was something that would have said, if I'm a religious organization, I don't have to hire LGBT people or I don't have to provide services to LGBT people, sort of shielding religious groups from um, anti-LGBT discrimination laws. Um, And that was totally removed from this, even though it was rumored that it might be here. Mm. Um, And, you know, as as is often the case with this White House, the, the sort of reporting and the rumors are that Jared Kushner and Ivanka watered this down and saved the day for um, liberals everywhere. But, you know, this really upset some religious conservatives because they see this as lacking substance, because as far as they're concerned, they weren't concerned about other parts of the Johnson Act. And, you know, being able to insulate themselves from the LGBT community was actually a huge deal for them. So on sort of two fronts, this is this is a stylistic flourish and not necessarily a substantive one. What I mean, what a weird way to go about it, I think. You know, he did always talk about this on the campaign trail. That is something he was saying. He talked about how he, you know, Trump did a lot of courting of evangelicals, um, and he said he was going to free this up for them. Yeah. I love the juicy Jerry Falwell Jr. came out and said Donald Trump is a dream for evangelicals. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I don't get the the love affair of of uh, the, the evangelicals with Donald Trump. Personally, this... I'd just like to know more about Jerry Falwell Jr.'s dreams. That, <laughs> that's a podcast. That's a podcast I would subscribe to on multiple devices and multiple services. This financial threat against the faith community is over. <sighs> you know, to me, when I hear him talk about that stuff, and I and I and I see this this thing that that is so like i'll put it this way i think that we saw so much progress being made in terms of lgbt uh rights and and uh anti-discrimination over the last several years that i think we got a little lazy and sort of felt like okay well we've turned a corner and we're like at a point now where everybody recognizes that like equality is you know, a, a, a right here in this country. And like things like this just totally sort of well, blow it wide open. Well, let's let's be a little clear about what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a White House official told me they really wanted to thread the needle between um, preventing what they see as religious discrimination and uh, preventing what they called the reverse happening. So LGBT discrimination. Yeah. And so, you know, let's let's uh, give them a little credit here. Okay, this, sure. This bill does not. It didn't hurt. go as far as it could have. Right. It, it doesn't really. I can't give much credit for that, though. So they didn't do something horribly cruel. Well, wh- what I mean is that, you know, we're saying two things here. Yeah. Right. It didn't give religious conservatives what they want. It didn't let them discriminate against the LGBT community. And it also didn't change the status quo all that much because this Johnson Amendment was very rarely enforced. So 
you know, look, at the end of the day, what the president did was he basically got rid of an amendment that was on the books, was never enforced, and that had an effect that I think most people wouldn't have really supported in the first place. So I think this is an instance where the president signed an executive order that didn't have a deleterious effect and you know, clarified some regulation that was frankly a little silly. Yeah. So this, you know, let's give him this one. All right, all right, all right. He can have that yeah. one. One of two Rose Garden ceremonies. <laughs> all right, okay. all right. I co-sign Fair. it. Fair. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about a a shutdown because the president in the earlier in the week tweeted that maybe what we need is quote a good shutdown. Um, he he did that in I think it was Monday or Tuesday morning, and then later on in the day, Mick Mulvaney came out and talked about how Democrats are celebrating the idea of a government shutdown. How Democrats really want this to happen. And uh, You talked about optics earlier. The optics of the President of the United States calling for a government shutdown, how does that play? I mean, it was. It, I, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. Right? It's really weird. I mean, we're, we're it's st- really weird. You know, we're still in the continuing pattern of, you know, I guess we just narrowly averted the shutdown, punted it, Till fall, we're kicking down the can down the road as we often do. Um, I guess he's sort of pre-positioning himself. Maybe they came closer than folks realize on this last one, and he's kind of pre-positioning himself so that if it does happen down the road, he can be like, "This was my 3D chess strategy." <laughs> right, um, right, right. I'm not really a hundred percent sure. I mean, I think you know. Again, we're talking about a, a President Trump tweet, and I think the question with these is always how much thought and strategy is really behind them. And and I certainly don't purport to have that answer. I, I think few do. The last time that the government shut down was 2013. Yes. Uh, everything that I read around that and all the polls that I saw around that placed the blame squarely on Republicans. That they were the ones obstructing. They were the ones getting in the way of this. And now here we are three years later, three and a half years later, and the Republicans have the presidency, they have the Congress, they have the Senate. Um, governorships are still, you know, in, in, a lot of, uh, the majority are in the yeah. R column. Um, they, they almost have enough to literally be like veto proof. Yeah. <laughs> Article yeah. 5. Yeah. And so I, I look at this sort of the calculation of shutting down the government because some Democrats have floated this idea of like, fine, we'll shut down the government. You want to spend all this money on a wall? You want to spend all this money on more defense spending and without much direction? Fine, we'll shut the government down. Um, Look, the Democrats, you're you're absolutely correct. The Democrats have completely lost on every level here down to state legislatures. Yes. So at this point, you know, any deal that can't get done, be it health care or something else, um, a shutdown that happens, anything has to involve the Republicans and has to by definition, by clear objective fact, be a majority Republican thing. Um, So anything, you know, where a deal can't get made is, um, you know, dissension in their own ranks. And, and, you know, they can, any sort of call can get made, um, but that's really the substance of it here. I, I think what's interesting about Trump is he's not a traditional Republican. And so when I say he's sort of doing prepositioning and optics on a shutdown, I, I don't I think it's wrong to assume, oh, he's necessarily trying to entirely pin it on Democrats. Donald Trump 
is more than happy to say, hey, this segment of Republicans isn't giving me what, what I want. Right. And the reporting coming out yesterday was that, you know, after this bill passed the House, he already called Mitch McConnell, uh, the Republican Senate leader, and said, basically, the ball is in your court, essentially saying, I dare you not to let the party have a win here. So Donald Trump is, is not worried about Republican infighting. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Let's talk a little bit about the wall, because we've got about four minutes left here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wall. We saw Sean Spicer sort of get into it over the wall slash fence or whatever you want to call it uh, earlier this week. Are we going to get money to build the wall? Well, Mexico's going to pay for it. <laughs> so that's what I heard. That's the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting, I don't know uh, how many of your listeners caught this snor- this story, but um, a man named America's Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuley Rabbi Boteach. Shmuley, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Rabbi Shmuley came to the West Wing, I believe it was last week. This is a guy who was spiritual advisor to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, he had a uh, reality show, Shalom in the Home. Um, he... Um, once ran for Congress in Jersey. I profiled him. I drove. He was a radio guy too. I used to. I used to uh, work at a station that carried his radio show. He was a trip. He's an entertaining cat. Oh yeah, I, I drove all around Jersey in his smart car with him. Did you really? Um, it was. It was quite a time. <laughs> um, but but Shmuley came to visit the White House, and he went in Steve Bannon's office. And Steve Bannon has this massive whiteboard that they were photographed in front of. So it provided this interesting glimpse into you know sort of Bannon's to do list. And one. One item that was highlighted by a lot of great reporters, including uh, CNN's Elizabeth Landers, was um, he said, build the wall and eventually get Mexico to pay for it. And that's that's from Steve Bannon's own whiteboard. So I I certainly think the idea of Mexico paying for the wall um, has been at at best tabled as a future wish of the Trump White House, which means that any wall that's going to happen, we're going to pay for it. I want to try. I was trying to find this tweet because Trump last week tweet that that thing that he wrote about eventually at some point Mexico will be required. You know, it's like that's not what he said on the campaign trail for sure. It was yeah. It, it seems pretty clear that um, they're trying to get the wall now. Uh, obviously, that comes out of the U.S. budget, um, and this is one of those items I was alluding to before. Like he's got a lot of spending he wants to do, mm-hmm. and maybe come up with some mechanism later where we can technically say Mexico paid for it. And I think what part of that is going to mean is that we're going to be keeping a lot of existing border fence, and they'll be taking credit for it and calling it the wall. Because your listeners should not have drived uh, along many miles of this border. Um, there is a fence currently along yeah. much of the border. And my my assumption from what I've heard and what I've seen is that we're not really going to be upgrading it all that much. Quote, eventually, but at a later date, so we can get started early, Mexico will be paying in some form for the badly needed border wall. That's the that's the tweet verbatim from from Donald Trump. Um, And there are so many things that you just hinted at that people don't necessarily we haven't really started talking about yet, like the fact that the border wall runs across private lands. Yeah. And what are we going to do about that? I, I actually, from election night and, and a couple events in the East Room where I've been in the president's presence, I have shouted out both, are you still building the wall and what's the wall going to look like? Never gotten an answer from him on these things. I, I think it's one of the most important questions because it was undoubtedly his signature promise. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think this question of eminent domain that you alluded to, what the actual wall looked like, and the national debt. These are three big stories to watch for the summer of Trump. And all very, very vital in terms of that getting sort of the, 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 the budget and things like that are vital for him sorting out whether or not this 
friggin' wall is going to get built yeah, in. And, and on this note, let me just wish everybody um, Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Happy Cinco de Mayo <laughs> yeah, to you all. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you eventually, Mexico is going to pay for it. I, folks, I love Hispanics. Happy anniversary to the the Taco Bowl tweet. The Taco Bowl tweet. I I don't know yet what they're serving for lunch today in the White House cafeteria. If they had a sense of humor at all, they would serve Well, you'll know Trump's in New York today. And he did say in that infamous tweet that the best best. Taco Bowls are at the Trump Tower. Anywhere. That's right. Or at the Trump Tower. Yeah. So I I think, forget Australia, forget the (laughs) 75th anniversary of the Coral Sea that Andrew Jackson could have prevented or whatever. He went home (laughs) because he wants a damn fine taco bowl. Folks, I got to get a good taco bowl. Where else am I going to get a good taco bowl? Tremendous. Todos todos and Feliz Casi Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) I love that the, the, the Cinco de Mayo celebration, Trump put Mike Pence in charge of it. Happy Cinco de Mayo. As somebody on Twitter pointed out, Mike, Mike Pence probably thinks Cinco de Mayo is Cinco de Mayonnaise. <laughs> the whitest guy in the administration is running the cultural celebration of Cinco de Mayo. I mean, when, when, when I think Mexican heritage, I think Mike Pence. Mike Pence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, one more PSA for y'all. It is Cinco de Mayo. That doesn't mean you have to go out and buy a crappy margarita just because it's Cinco de Mayo. It's am- That's amateur hour. May I recommend Oyamel? Oyamel has... The killerest margaritas in town. Are, are they open yet? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Hunter Walker, he's the White House correspondent for Yahoo News. Go follow him on Twitter at Hunter W, a must follow on Twitter. Very, very smart analysis there. And read his good work at Yahoo.com. Thank you, Hunter. I appreciate you, you coming Peter. in, man. Uh, we'll be right back with Alexandra Petrie from the Washington Post. Stay tuned. How am I doing? Am I doing okay? I'm president. Hey, I'm president. Can you believe it? Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show on a Friday, May 5. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, I have a confession to make, Jamie. I'm a little nervous because like, my favorite writer is in studio with me right now. Don't screw oh my it God, Kurt Vonnegut's here. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, David Brooks is here. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, Alexandra Petrie is in studio for the Washington Post. Hi. Her first trip here. I thought we'd book Brett Stevens to talk about why climate <laughs> oh change is real. Oh, we're going to get to Brett Stevens. Yeah. Uh, no, I am honestly, I'm such a fanboy of yours. I think you are like, everything you write is fantastic. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I'm, like, super stoked to have you here. Oh, I'm stoked to be here. Follow her on Twitter at Petri Dishes and read her fine, fine work at the Compost blog at WashingtonPost.com. Jamie, I was t- I was geeking out over this. Jamie and I, we went and saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I'm seeing it tonight. It's, it's good. We did a double feature situation oh. yesterday, and so we were up late. Yeah. And so uh, we were driving in this What morning. was the other feature? Oh, the first Guardians movie. So it was oh, Guardi- yeah, right. Jamie had never seen Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I saw it four times. I, I was like the person dragging <laughs> it's everyone. It's so good, to it. right? I, yeah, it was delightful. It's so good. Yeah. So we saw that. Jamie saw it for the first time. And then we had like a little intermission. And then we went uh, and we, we had uh, some beers and we came back and saw the part two. Yeah. Volume two. 
Oh, yeah, volume two. That's right. They do things in volumes now. The soundtrack is just as good. Oh, good. And the movie is... I'm not going to spoil it. It's very good. Yeah, it's I good. heard it's, like, it's very good. good, but the first one was, like, remarkably good. The first one blew my mind. Yeah. Like, really, it was so Vin good. Vin Diesel, one of the most gifted voice right. actors of our generation. And he's still the voice of the, the, the baby Groot. Aw. Yeah. That which sounds is adorable. like it'll be adorable, but strange. It's very strange. And very adorable. <laughs> um, just like me, your host, Peter Ogburn. Uh, follow the show <laughs> on Twitter, by the way, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, and I mentioned you could follow our guest, at Petri Dishes, Alexander Petri. Uh, let's start with the Brett Stevens thing, because oh, yeah. Jamie mentioned it. Um, so Brett Stevens sort of uh, was a, 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 an edition of the New York Times recently. Oh, edition's putting it strongly. No, I'm kidding. Uh. <laughs> he was a recent edition of the New York Times. And, and people are kind of freaking out over it. Which I have no problem with that people are freaking out. Democrats or or liberals are sort of saying that they're going to cancel the subscription of the New York Times because they have a climate change denier in the New York Times now. Tell us a little bit about Brett Stevens and who he is. Well, I know he's he moved over there from the journal and he's got some views that I think are sort of a f- fun views to have to spice things up on the uh, editorial page or writing in his op-eds about climate change and sort of his debut column was just sort of maybe when people are 100% sure about things that's a sign that they're wrong was sort of his whole premise Mm -hmm. like anyone who's completely certain about anything like you should really be curious about that because who knows where such certainty might lead and it just seemed like an like an odd sort of starting premise It, it it was the two halves of the column were so um we know Hillary Clinton was wrong to be confident about her chances in November, and therefore, other people who are confident about things are also probably wrong. I'm not making this up. This is basically the exact structure of the column. It was sort of like a remarkable, strange syllogism where it's like, if X are Y, then maybe some Y like should have campaigned in Wisconsin more. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that you know the New York Times is such a institution, especially for liberal elitists. Yeah. Like myself. Uh, and it's just like it's a weird argument to make, you know, like, yeah. the, like the calculation of having this is just like, well, you know, it's, it, like, it's yeah, just weird. lining these two things up and being like, oh, this suggests the other thing is also the case. See, it just seemed like a bizarre thing. And also people who read The New York Times is like. Oh, they're like, oh, yes, it's a paper of record. It's the gray lady. It's got all of this sort of. I want to be clear. I've never called The New York Times a gray lady. Uh, as, as much of a liberal elitist as I am, I never call it the great lady. <laughs> yeah, you got your cappuccino in your New York Times, but you stop at being like the Please, great lady. Yeah. I'm not crazy here. Yeah. No, I like all these like weird news like newspaper nicknames where it's like the great lady and <laughs> yeah. newspaper of record. The paper of record. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think like what the Wall Street Journal's nickname is. The fish wrap. Aw. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've like literally never seen a fish wrapped in newspaper. This is a side point. But I love like yeah. the references that they were like the, selling the, like the, hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> like where I've never seen a Hotcakes throwing hotcakes out on the street all the time. Yeah, yeah for a nickel. It's like so they haven't that? sold since like 1830, is what you're saying. <laughs> if they're selling like hotcakes, try and order hotcakes at a diner. See what you get. Yeah, no. So f- fish wrapping and hotcakes selling, and all Fair. these hip references we're making is. I'm actually effect. 85 years old. Yeah. So I can. I'm a, it's, I'm, it's actually in my demo. Oh great. Yeah. yeah no. Um, but yeah, no. So it was just sort of a bizarre thing to say, and I know like impressionable elder parents will read the New York Times and say, you know, I read something very interesting in the New York Times, and it said that there was doubt about this thing because of Hillary Clinton. And then you have to sit down and like get a chart out and like go through PowerPoint <laughs> and be like, well, so you know, if Ross Douthat jumped off a cliff, would you, you know, 
also jump off a, a very eloquent and beautiful cliff. Like he has some interesting opinions. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird thing I think for for the New York Times to defend it. And, and look, like if you subscribe to the New York Times and you pay money, Jamie, do you remember how much money it's like nine hundred dollars a year for the New York Times? I think, which is fine. Like pay, pay for pay, pay for your newspaper subscriptions. But if you pay that amount of money, you kind of expect to have facts. But it's also like he. The whole sort of opinion writing thing is the newspaper is bolstered mainly by its actual reporters doing serious work on climate science. So you could argue that canceling your subscription is spiting a nose that's working very hard. To, no, wait, no, you're cutting off. This, this metaphor is, is collapsing. I'm going to drink some coffee and hang on just a second. We'll get this metaphor back to you. But no, the idea that like... That there's so much other good work being done in that area that you actually want to keep supporting it. And so being like, no, we were going to take our subscription money away is actually hurting something you want to help. Yeah. But it's also like, at what point do you close the Overton window and be like, hey, this isn't illuminating the discussion. This is just confusing people yeah. because it's not a good fact. That's what it is for me. For, for me, like, I think it's high time that we start listening to opposing opinions more, right? Yeah. I think that that's a pretty solid lesson to take away from 2016 is that I think that we shut down a lot of other people's opinions and didn't keep an open mind on those things. But at the same time, there are just things that are, you know, BS and you should call them, <laughs> they should call it that, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it's not, just because it's something that's not true, you know, it's not an alternative take on something. Yeah. No, there, there's some things where they're like, oh, we should hear both sides. But if one side is like, some people aren't people. That's not a side right, you that's need not to a hear. Side. It's like that's not that's precluding yeah. debate. That's not actually expanding debate. Exactly. Um, you've written some fantastic things. Uh, one of the collections that you put together uh, last month was uh, some of Alex Jones' favorite. Uh, oh yeah. I we have like an obsession here on Alex Jones. Jamie, is that that's fair to say, right? We have a mild obsession with Alex Jones. This is a great time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. This is an amazing time to be alive. If you. Don't know who Alex Jones is? I would suggest you check out some of his stuff. Don't look at it too long. No, you don't. Because you don't like, know who Alex your Jones brain is. will start leaking out of your ears. But it's he's a he's a character. No, I was about to say if you don't know who Alex Jones is, like you've led a charmed life. Like <laughs> yeah, don't fair. mess with that. Yeah, you've you've done okay. Yeah. I'm not bragging. It's a fact. You, the audience, deserve to know this. Infowars is the main operating system of the rebirth of the American Republic. There he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen this movie before, right, when it was called Morton Downey Jr. I know that that's an awfully dated reference, oh, but remember, wow. I'm an octogenarian. <laughs> yeah. Like, Morton Downey Jr. was a guy that just came out and said whatever and made stuff up because he got, like, you could you could get away with saying things if you're playing a character. And, like, we're right back here. He even acknowledged in his court case, yeah. uh, his custody case. No, it turns out he was character. a performance artist all along, which is sort of a high-stakes performance art. But on the other side, it's like a... If this truly were performance art, like that episode of Black Mirror, oh no, now I've become the person who's like the gray lady. And in that episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> Fair. Um, I'm that guy too, so I'm with you. But it's like, at what point does your performance art, even if this genuinely were performance art, which I think it's just performance art for the purpose of the court documents, um, turn into like a guy showing up at a pizza parlor with a weapon, yeah. which happened, right. which is a thing that should not happen. That, I mean, that and he actually sort of apologized for that. He was like, "Whoa, that didn't believe me." Yeah, yeah. Everyone's that. a lizard, but also listen. <laughs> like, this is different from that. Everyone is a lizard, and, and uh, Hillary Clinton literally is a goblin. But uh, yeah, no, don't go shooting people. Yeah, uh, my the best story about Alex Jones is during the custody case when his wife was, had asked him, like, 
pretty easy to identify details about his children, and he couldn't remember them because he had just eaten a big old bowl of chili. That's what he, like, literally what he said. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't remember. My I can't remember. I just, I just ate, ate some chili. chili. I mean, honestly, if you have, if it's good chili, it's hard to for, remember facts about your life. To be fair, yeah. I have had chili that I forget my name. Yeah. Much less the details about my children. So, so really what we're coming to here is like the guy's got a point. But... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, really quickly, uh, we got a little bit of breaking news, right, Jamie? Do we have uh, a this little something? This is a Bill Press Show breaking news so update. professional. I love it. All right. What, what your job reports numbers are oh, yeah. what do we have? in oh. for the month of April. The economy added uh, 211,000 jobs in April. The unemployment rate fell to 4.4%. That is the lowest in a decade. My goodness. Yeah. So Donald Trump's going to have something Hooray. to celebrate this morning for something that he didn't really have anything uh, to do with. So, On one hand, that's great news, and I think that we should celebrate that. On the other hand, I'm bracing for the victory lap that Donald Trump will take for one month of good numbers. I mean, we might actually get actual Bud instead of just Bud Light for this one. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> As of right now, no Trump tweets. Not yet. Uh, Not yet. Not yet. Well, gird your phones. Yeah, Bud Light, huh? The Bud Light beer. That's the that's the drink of choice for the United States Congress. Yeah, no, there's some sort of sort of like Bud Light mm. being like, hold my beer joke to be made, but <laughs> I feel like Twitter's already gone all the way around on that. Hold my foreign owned beer. Uh, I will say you? though, that's if true. you're going to, it, it is foreign owned. But if you're gonna troll Democrats, Bud Light is the way to do it. Like the yeah. only thing worse than Bud Light is Miller Light, right, Jamie? Oh, you're a Miller Light guy. <laughs> Miller Light is Whoa. delicious. I forget you're a Miller Light guy. It's a delicious, drinkable the beer. Champagne of beers. The Champs. Miller High Life, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Miller High Life is also very delicious. And you like Miller High Life, Peter. I do like Miller High Life. I do like Miller High Life. Yeah. And I like Coors Banquet. But those are, those are my two trash beers that I drink, but that's okay. Uh, well, those are, I mean, look, those are good job numbers. That's that's great news for the economy. The lowest it's been in, in a decade is, is huge. Um... Alexander, you've written some about life under President Trump. And, like, I, I've had to sort of reevaluate how, because, you know, we're a progressive show. I'm a pretty progressive guy. And we, we have guests on who who cover a lot of progressive issues. And I'm always like, hey, how's it going? And people are like, eh, you know. <laughs> I continue to suffer. Yeah, you know, every day is a waking nightmare, and I no longer fear death. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm great. But, like, it's so, like we, we, we live in such a weird time now. I don't even know how to, like, I'm having a hard time coping. Well, it's funny how this everyone is sort of in this walking nightmare scenario, which I think is it's fun to, like, if you're one of the folks rejoicing in the election of Trump, it's fun to, like, point at people and be like, they're still, like, they still can't cope with it. They're, like, blinking and unseeing. And, like, it is sort of a weird thing that people are in this position. But I think it's, like, if you look at the things that he's trying to enact, they're kind of startling. It's just even from like a sheer like how much news will there be perspective? The, I was trying to do like this Amtrak residency. I was just off like riding a train across the country, which was delightful. Wait, you did that? Yeah. I want to talk to you about that because I am fascinated by that. No, I had a great time, but I was also like, when can I do this when there won't be news? And I was like, there, there's no way of knowing when there won't be news. Yeah. Where it was like, usually like there's an election and then there's like, you know when things are going to move through Congress and you can sort of plan news in advance. And now it's like every morning... Something might get tweeted or something might get said that just throws the world into chaos. So I was like, how do I plan my train? So it's like it's this very specific, very like, oh, like, here's my third layer of the cake problem. I was like, but I don't know when my train is because the world is in chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Donald. I've, like, I, I talk about this with, with people in the 
in the industry, right? In this business of show. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, but, like, because I've been a producer producing radio and TV for a long, long time now. And, like, I had a routine. I just, like, always have that kind of constant hum of cable news on in the background. And if anything big happens, like, you know, it's fine. I'll just do it. But it's just, like. Yeah. It's like the cable news Thunderdome now. No, it's hilarious. Like we'll be sitting there like typing, and we have like the news on in the background in the office, and suddenly you'll look up at the chat, and we'll be like, "Maybe we're not nuking somewhere," and it's like, "What?" Right. And everyone's like, "Put the sound on. What's going on up there?" <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell. And also, the chirons have gotten really salty. So like the yeah. the CNN person's like, "By the way, this is not yeah. a fact." <laughs> All the time, which I, I appreciate. Whoever's typing those. What was the one we saw, Jamie? You saw this morning, like. Fox News called the health care vote in the House. Major a, victory. Huge, major victory. Huge bold letters in the Chiron. Just major victory, nothing else. And then on CNN it said, uh, health care faces a major hurdle in the Senate. Right. That was their headline. It's just like. I don't even know what MS's was. but They're like gladiators. Just like, con- like, they're like, the senator didn't read bill. They're like, no, not senator. I mean, if a senator didn't read the bill, that wouldn't actually be a terrible thing. Yeah, yet. right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we should pass bills that we haven't read that we don't know what they cost. I mean, I don't think that's being effusive. Ah, uh, yes. That uh, is it's a, little, our, it's a little flashback Friday for you. Our good friend, Paul Ryan. Takes you back. 2009. Man, how is Paul Ryan going to survive this sort of – because I think this has been a debacle, and I think that he's kind of artfully dodged – the blanks uh, uh, <laughs> like uh, a dickens character yeah <laughs> but like you know like so much of this crap that 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 trump has gotten for the healthcare mess which it has been a mess and and he deserves plenty to blame for it, but i think most of it lies at the feet of paul ryan he's the one that sort of arbitrarily scheduled this vote um the, the first one that never yeah. happened oh, yeah. and then the other and, one and, 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 and then like the run one. to the white house and be like don't have this vote because we don't have the votes yeah. and like he's been the sort of this pivotal figure with a lot of the drama but also the idea that like this is what we came up with and the whole sort of thing was that he was going to be this great sort of intellectual leader who was like wonky and he cared about facts and jack kemp and like all of this stuff and it was going to be very exciting and then instead it was like first we don't have the votes and now here's like a bill that gets rid of the one thing everyone was like no maybe keep that thing like (laughs) but i just just Sort of, where's the intellectual heft that we were promised? That's what it is. Like we we've talked about this a couple of times. Like this whole idea that Paul, still people write this way. Paul Ryan, a known policy wonk, give me a break. Like that, we need to take that whole notion out back and shoot it. He is not a policy wonk. He's not some ideas guy. Yeah, no, like his policy is wonky, but that is something different. <laughs> That's it's, yeah, it's um, fair. <laughs> fair. I just like. For all the grief that the Democrats get for, you know, the hashtag Dems and disarray, uh, which, like, fair, Democrats have a real problem about how they move forward. Yeah, it's like, maybe don't sing the next time this happens, because just the fact that it happened is bad. Like, I've seen like, that up on Fox News like five game, times. It'll today. be like, oh, maybe indeed, like, Sir yeah. Peter Baelish, like, this will come out in your favor. And, like, right. the throne of Westeros will fall. And, like, then you can sing. Like, that'll be great. Like, 2018, November, like, do your thing. But yeah. right now, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's it's a little pe- it's seems, a little petty, yeah. petty pendergrass. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look. Um, but as, as much grief as the Democrats get for being in disarray, I think the Republicans have a much, much bigger problem. They just don't see it yet. Yeah, I, I think it's common. I like that. Like the 
whole big victory here was like we got Republicans to vote for this bill. <laughs> it was it wasn't like, oh, we like managed this big bipartisan compromise for our like first signature like legislative achievement. It was like we managed to get all of the people in our wing of the chamber to be like, hooray. Yeah, I, I don't for think this in, thing we maybe didn't read. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, the, the, didn't, definitely read. Yeah. didn't read. That they acknowledged. Chris Collins said yesterday, I didn't read the bill. It was like, is this is, this is the bar for like a major triumph? Like, yeah. but I, uh, yeah, I just like, I don't know who the face of the Republican Party is going to be. I know it's Trump for now, but I mean, Trump. You know, it's it's just a, a boot stepping on the human <laughs> face forever. It's not really a face. <laughs> But that, that is the face of the Republican Party. I think that's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. I just don't know where they go. I mean, at some point, right? Like, it's all going to catch up with them. They just don't see it happening yet. But it's like, I, I do miss the Republican Party, the, the one that was like, here's an actual policy idea we've thought through, and like, it's different than yours, and like, let's argue about it. Because having a two party system was a great, nifty thing. I'll remember and, that. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. It was fun and vintage. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Because like, having one party that's just like, no, this is bad. And. We'll just sort of hand wave it, and another party is like, "Well, hey, wait a second, guys, what about some policy things?" And then, like, I, it, it seems like we should have a stronger two hander going on. Um, we're going to tweet out a link to your most recent piece, "Donald Trump's Civil War" by Ken Burns, <laughs> which is so good. Look at it's that Ashokan just, farewell playing. Ashokan, so good. I discovered I don't know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> um, the Civil War. I mean. W- his comments about Andrew Jackson in the Civil War, I think, highlight a lot of different problems. There's, <laughs> Where to begin? Like, seriously. Oh, yeah, well, we have the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, had Andrew Jackson been a little bit later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. He was, he was a very tough person, but he had a big heart, and he was, he was really angry that he saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War. He said, there's no reason for this. I don't know if you knew this, by the way, about Andrew Jackson. Swashbuckler. Oh, and a huge heart. What well, is huge? Heart. But he had a big heart. Big heart. <laughs> the biggest oh, heart. That was Jesus. why. Yeah, he he cried a trail of tears. At, no, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Too I, soon. Still. 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 By we God. have not recovered. Uh, like, but like, there's so much wrong with yeah. that. Like, just the, the the factual problems. Yeah. Just first wor- of word all, word by word. Let's start there. The words are not correct. <laughs> right. It's like he, yeah, a, a like, he, and then he had to put out that tweet later, being like, even though he died 16 <laughs> years before the Civil War, he knew it was coming, and he knew it would be terrible. And it's also like Abraham Lincoln exists. Like, if you want to idolize a president, yeah. There's this wonderful guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. Although Donald Trump has heard of him and also doesn't know what he did. Yeah, no, my favorite Donald Trump quote of all time, like even more than the Civil War quote, was the one where he said, "Abraham Lincoln did a thing that was very important to do, and especially at that time." Amen. And, you know what a wordsmith. Yeah, ten years ago or even twenty years ago, what he did would not have seemed possible. And it was like, you don't. Oh, it was God. he an. Steve Jobs? Like. The way that words fall out of that hole under his nose <laughs> is remarkable to me. But it's just, I think what happens is like he goes on a tour or somewhere and someone says to him, hey, Andrew Jackson, like gives him a beautiful explanation of the nullification crisis. And they go and like stand at Rachel's tomb and they, you know, sob together or whatever it is that you do with the tomb of Mrs. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ms. Jackson. Um, I'm... For real, for real? Uh, and this is this is going somewhere strange. But here for it, and then he like goes away from that, and 
it does the thing where, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember facts that people have told you. And you sort of say, instead of any of the specific nouns, you just say sort of a collection of nouns that are like the noun. So he's like, well, you know, there was this thing. And he said, oh, this civil war, it's so terrible. And he's trying his best. To, and this is what comes out. Like, yeah, but God, it's it's really like time traveling. Andrew Jackson could have stopped the Civil War. Is I think the takeaway from that's this. the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the takeaway. We've had a couple of members of Congress, and and they've all said the same thing. Some of them off air, some of them on air, but that Republicans know that there's something wrong with Donald Trump. Like he's not a well man, <laughs> and Republicans just kind of like, eh, we'll just roll the dice with it, see what happens. I, I, he's our not well man. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is not okay, but he's ours. But at some point, I, I think he. What's the what's the moment that Donald Trump loses his base? I guess because like people are saying like, oh, you know, like if these P tapes exists from Russia, right? If those come out, that could be a. He survives that. Yeah, I think he survives that easily. No, yeah, it's it's sterile. You know, like whatever uh, it stimulates True. something. I don't know. Some but, people are it's their thing. <laughs> well, we went down that rabbit hole. Um, no, I think. People keep doing these comments to be like, so like we'll go talk to we'll go to the the heartland and we'll talk to the people who care about Trump and we'll be like, here's a long bulleted list of things that are now bad in your life because of this man. And they'll be like, well, we still like him. And this piece has been written hundreds of times because so far the answer is still, yeah, no, he's he's my guy. Because people weren't like, oh, you know what I want? I want like a, a typical man who will maybe be competent. They're like, I just want something different. Like, yeah. And when you like, go to the hairdresser, you're like, I just want something different. You get what Donald Trump has. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not a good outcome. It's it's just a different outcome. It is definitely different. But you know, like I I have talked about this before. I grew up in South Carolina. I have a lot of people who voted for Trump, and I still talk to them. Weirdly, well, yeah, someone, yeah, you, you, somebody's got to. Yeah, right. And and there are a couple of people who have said the, the one takeaway for me. That, that has stuck with me after his first press conference where uh, – I think it was the first – the one where he just kind of went nuts. Oh, yeah. No, the one where he, like, turned into a bat and, like, ate someone's head. And Literally. Like, What's going on here? Literally. But- uh, after that press conference, someone texted me, uh, a guy who's a farmer in South Carolina, voted for Donald Trump, and just said, well, it looks like he's turning out to be the person I hoped he wasn't going to be. Yeah. So like, well, that's, that's what serves you right for having hope. Yeah, shame on you, frankly. <laughs> uh, Alexander Petrie, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having I'm like, me. I'm so excited that you finally came in. I hope you'll come back. This is uh, fun. Follow her on Twitter at Petrie Dishes and read her work at WashingtonPost.com. Podcast is going up in about an hour or so. Go get it on iTunes. Just look for the Bill Press Show or go to our website, BillPressShow.com if you're not an iTunes person. And uh, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We'll have the full show up on video plus a couple of snippets. Have a great weekend. Happy Cinco de Mayo. See you on Monday. This is The Bill Press Show.